welcome. And uh, who are you? Uh, David Hunter. Do you have a middle name? Yeah, um, Merrill. Really? Which uh, was named after um, a good friend of my father who died in a car wreck about a week before I was born. Really? Luckily, my parents had the good sense not to use that as my first, first name. name. Yeah. As they threw it in the, in the middle there just to honor him but not embarrass me too much. Life would have been a little different with the first name of Merrill. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, yeah, I got enough yeah. grief in uh, elementary school when, when, <laughs> when kids, kids would find out that was my middle name. My first name is Herbert, okay? So ah, okay. It, you know, so yes, I, I understand that. Um, but either way, uh, we were talking about the riding. Um, did you ride this morning? Did you ride today? Yeah, uh, yeah, I rode the uh, our roll call ride this morning, the the hills route that we do on okay. Thurs- usually on Thursdays, and which... Became dubbed the free money ride because free nobody would show up for hills. So, so one of the guys in the group just said it's, it free. The, it's the free money because nobody's going to turn down free money. I was wondering where that name came from. Um, but that's the one that goes up, uh, is it Riverside? And, and um, uh, yeah, yeah, we go out, out across, yeah, we go across the Huguenot Bridge out to Old, Old Gun. Sometimes we go out, up uh, Huguenot um, up to the up to um, Bonaire there and then mm-hmm. back down. Okay. Uh, but that's been under construction a lot lately. Okay. Yeah, they built that new water tower up near the top of the hill. I've yeah. not seen, I've not seen, and, I've not been over there. Yeah, too. so it's, it's, the roads have been a mess, so we've been bypassing that one, just going up uh, Old Gun and then over to Tarrington. There's a pretty good hill through in there. Mm-hmm. And then... And that's, is that the, in the neighborhood, Taryn? Yeah, off of, um, off of Robius. I, I, am, I am familiar with that hill. Um, that's in the, it's in the neighborhood somewhere, yeah. Yeah, it's... It's unpleasant. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, it is unpleasant, but you get it done and you, you can, you say you did it. Yep. Um, but uh, how did you, I start with this question, um, how did you get started riding? Um, but I know it's broad. Yeah. Um, you know, it, my family didn't have a lot of money growing up. Okay. And finally in fourth grade, I... My parents bought me a bike, a used bike for $40, and I just started riding that thing all over the place. Yeah. And that summer after after I got that new bike, I found out about this uh, fundraising ride that uh, I, I grew up in upstate New York in the Finger okay. Lakes area. And the fundraising ride was to go around to Wasco Lake, which is 28 miles. Okay. And you'd, you'd go around and get pledges to... Where mm-hmm. people would pledge just a certain number, certain amount of money per mile that you rode. Okay. Okay, I can, I can do that. Yeah. You know, and, you know, nine years old or whatever, and you know, went around to all the neighbors that hadn't pledged money, and they they didn't think I was going to go, but a few miles. So a lot of them pledged a lot of money per mile, but mm-hmm. it, ended up riding the whole thing. Yeah. Which took forever on a little banana seat. Right, yeah. Banana seat bike, and uh, uh, but I finished it and made some money and just kept kept riding. Okay. You know, when I had some money of my own from uh, working a paper route. Uh, mm-hmm. I bought a little department store bike. Okay. A little 10-speed when I was, uh, I guess, 11 or 12. Okay. And started riding more and did uh, you know, did my first 100-mile ride when I was 13. Just went out on that crappy little department store bike on my own and went around another <laughs> lake nearby and just, you know, Took all day. Got got back before dark, so that was good. Okay, wait. Thirteen was an incredible age to try to do hundred miles. Um, you just do, did you do 
this is the lake you like did laps around or something like that or did you was it like a whole thing it was a whole it was the whole thing was 100 miles from oh, the, from, okay. from the town I, I grew up in um down around this is uh Cuga Lake down to mm-hmm. Ithaca where Cornell is okay. and then and then back up along the other side of the lake so, so, okay. so it wasn't really a shortcut <laughs> okay so you do this thing at 13 right was the plan if you can recall like was the plan to do that colossal of a ride or was it just oh yeah okay yeah, it was like it was you know seeing that on map and go yeah i can i could do that i've i've ridden around to Alaska lake i can ride around cayuga lake you know th- three times as far or you know, almost four times as far but wow okay um so you put in a century like you know almost a decade before most do um so then like then do you like what's what's next like after you do, you do this like this super long ride as a kid like what's, yeah and then you just and then um found out about the local bike club mm-hmm. which you know was like maybe 10 people in this little town um, but every wednesday they they did um a 10 mile time trial okay um just so the guys could you know compete against each other mm-hmm. and gauge their fitness throughout the season and started doing those on this crappy bike okay got another <laughs> Bought a better bike when I was like 15, I guess, okay. a, real, a real bike shop bike. Okay. And uh, started doing, you know, kept doing the time, tra- kept doing the time trials and riding with the club, learning more. And we became enough of a pest at the bike shop that when I turned 16, I started working there. Re- okay. Just after school and on weekends. Okay. Uh, and Were you a mechanic at that point? Or you like yeah, the yeah, okay. mechanic. And nice. of course, you know, a shop that size, you know, mechanic and sales. Okay. Um, and um, did a uh, what it calls used to call it back then a citizens race, which is just a non non licensed race that they would hold usually before mm-hmm. the USCF races or it's now it's USAC. Okay. Um, you know, just walked away from all the other non licensed riders because all that everybody else was just mm-hmm. somebody that you know didn't really ride much. Um, got got my license. Did. And, you know, the next spring when, uh, when the season started back up, uh, did a race, my first licensed race on a new bike that I bought a fancy Campagnolo equipped, uh, mm-hmm. Columbus tubing bike, a, a Windsor professional and, uh, with tubulars and super, you know, state of the art for back then. Okay. And, uh, you know, went, went through most of the race and then on a, a fast downhill turn, Mm-hmm. The guy in front of me rolled the, his tubular tire off his wheel, crashed, and I okay. went flying over him at speed and destroyed my new bike. Oh, uh, damn. Um, did you have a helmet on? Uh, yeah, I had a helmet on. The, um, they, back then they required helmets, but okay. the helmets they, re- they required were those just those leather hairnets. I don't know if you've uh, ever yeah, seen those. I, I've seen some of those. So about as protective as a, as a baggie. <laughs> <laughs> um. How how'd you fare with an accident? Oh, I was fine. Yeah. Okay. Just, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I was young. I rolled. And okay. Bounced. Okay. Um, how did you feel with the bike destroyed? Um, was yeah. It, the, was it a complete loss? Yeah. Like, well, the um, I got a frame builder to repair the frame. Okay. And repaint it. And kept using that for a few more years, and mm-hmm. yeah, eventually got another another bike a couple couple years later. But I use I use that one for for a while longer, but it was. It was an expensive repair. Okay, um, they had to replace two of the two of the tubes on the frame, and 
But luckily it was steel, which is all we had back then. So you, but you, you so it took a few years to get that fully repaired. Oh, it took a few years to finally get a, a new upgraded bike. After oh, that. okay. 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 Yeah. All right. So you were, okay. You got that repaired yeah. and you yeah. went back out on that bike. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, so you're already racing, um, 17, 18 sounds like. Yeah, that would have been like, yeah, 17, uh, yeah, 17, 18, just, um, barely in the, barely still in the juniors category. Okay. Um, was there some plans with that? It was just like, I just, I just like doing the racing. Did you start thinking I'm going to train? I want to be on the team or was just like, I just uh, like being fast. And I, yeah, it's like, I just, I just liked riding my bike. Didn't yeah. matter what I was doing. Racing was just something, some, another option for, mm-hmm. for getting out there and, and riding. Okay. Um, which apparently came naturally, um, if you're doing it at such a young age after riding that much. Um, so, uh, how long did you race? How long did that go on once that started? Um, depending on how you define a race, probably st- still, I mean, I was, okay. I, you know, did monster cross this year. That's the only one so far. Um, didn't do any cyclocross the past couple of years. Um, but I was, you know, doing some doing some cross races for okay. a few few seasons after I moved to Richmond. Okay. Um, of course, the when I when I moved here to Richmond in fall of 2014, the the first thing I did, um, mm-hmm. you know, parked the parked the moving truck, got my bike out and uh, raced at um, Bryan Park that afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> um. So it sounds like you knew about Brian Park before you. Yeah, yeah, I did a little research. I did. Okay. I had to know uh, where the good bike shops were and what the what the bike scene was like. Okay, so you knew about the race, and that was the first thing. Okay, I had this commitment. I'm going to show up day one. Uh, how'd you fare in that race? Uh, I just kind of hung on to the back of the A race. Okay. Okay. It wasn't. It wasn't any fun. Okay. Um, so you you just just stayed racing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, back seventeen eighteen. Um, you know, when you, you, you're start racing, you're, you know, bottom of the junior, mm-hmm. just still in the juniors category. Um, like what's, what's the next thing that happened? Like, did you do any big events? Did you tr- go anywhere? Like what was next with the, you know, cause you, you continue to race. Yeah. Yeah. Continue to race, um, road races and crits, um, moved to Atlanta, Georgia to go to school at Georgia tech. Okay. And, you know, f- you know, first thing I did was, you know, Meet, meet, up, meet, meet up with the cyclists and find the good bike shops. Yeah, of course. That when I uh, moved uh, moved down to Georgia Tech, I had my bicycle and one suitcase. That <laughs> <It> was <laughs> the extent of my belongings. Uh, moved into the dorm, and that was I was ready to go. That's all you needed. That's all you needed, man. Yeah. One more, yeah. <laughs> what more? What more could anybody want? Um. Uh. What kind of groups did you find there when you went down to Georgia? Did you were there like Groups that seemed about your age, your experience. Yeah, well, yeah, there was. I found some other some other racers at Georgia Tech. Okay, there were some uh, some pretty good uh, Cat One uh, okay. racers there. There was no collegiate cycling at that point, but okay. uh, uh, but uh, you know, somehow ran into some other some other cyclists there at okay. school. I think I probably just saw them riding around training and you know, okay. and started doing training rides with them and. Uh, and getting into the local racing. Okay. Um, so you're getting your race in a new place. Do you ever join a team? Yeah, I was on a bunch of just local club teams. Okay. Not, not any, 
anything that uh, with a lot of sponsorship you know we had some some sponsors for our clubs but you know, nothing you know, it was no 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 pro level okay teams okay. or anything All right. uh, you know north north atlanta road club uh, was the one i was on for the longest they were just sponsored by one of the local bike shops and you know occasionally some years we'd have a car dealership or something okay you know putting their money putting their logo on the jersey and give us a little bit of cash okay yeah, it makes me wonder, like, what's the what's that process of going from, like, you know, a group of people just together, we race, and then, like, trying to get sponsorship. Um, I know of one guy who got sponsorship from Noon, none, depending on how you pronounce the yeah. brand. Um, it was a little more formal back then. Uh, the USCF, which was, which became the USAC, mm-hmm. um, back then, um, they, they required racers to to be affiliated with the club. Okay. Otherwise they would have to pay a, an unlicensed rider fee or, okay. uh, or, or, un, or un, uh, unattached rider fee. That's okay. what they called it. And then the clubs uh, had to be registered with the, uh, with the USCF. Okay. And we were required to put on at least one event a year. And so oh, it's kind of okay. a self-perpetuating system back then. Yeah. Um, where the, you know, you'd have to join the clubs, the clubs would have to put on events and, and, Get get more participation that way, and and more events for the for the riders to do. Okay, Um, is this is that still a rule? Like, they still have to like club has Uh, to put on an event? No, there's. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of clubs. There's not. They're they've gotten away from a lot of the rules about. You you don't see unattached rider fee unattached rider fees on any of the any of the uh, race entries anymore. yeah, and, I am, um, and, and there are a lot of clubs that aren't USCF or USAC clubs, and yeah, and people are just wearing jerseys with all sorts of sponsors. Back then, it was very, very strict rules about what you could wear, okay, what kind of lettering could be on the jerseys, okay. Um, anybody in the, any riders, if you were a Cat Three and above, if you were in the same club, you had to wear identifiably similar jerseys, okay. And there were very strict rules about which sponsors could be on the jerseys. Okay, and and the, that seems excessive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it's it's more fun now with uh, with without all that just, just being yeah, just being able to show up in whatever you're comfortable in. I wonder what the, the what the what the thought was there. I guess maybe to like keep just random. There was from? a bigger division between professional amateur cycling back then. Okay, uh, uh, it was very. They, they were trying to keep it as an amateur thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so there were limits, big limits on the cash payouts that you could have. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, it's it's better better now with uh, with more money available for the for the stronger riders, you know, without having to turn pro and not be eligible for the Olympics, which is a thing that didn't change until the '90s, I guess. The um, that the, you wait, the, you had to be pro before you could be eligible. You could, no, you could. You could not race in the Olympics if you were a pro. Oh, was strictly okay. amateur. Oh, okay. Hmm. At some point that changed. I can't remember what year what year it was, but the uh, okay. you'd have a lot of a lot of riders holding off on uh, on becoming professional so that they could could do the Olympics and then they would then would turn pro afterwards. Um, when did you? Around what year did you go down to Georgia Tech? Eighty one. Eighty one. Okay. All right. Just trying to just trying to orientate the yeah the, the, the timeline the, yeah the timeline it's, it's like that was 
2011 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, uh, go to Georgia Tech with a suitcase and a bike. You meet the other locals there that ride. Um, you continue to race. Um, you do you you left your job at the bike shop at the one in New York, the and then York. when I uh, got down to Georgia, I started working at a shop there. Okay, and uh, it's not until the next spring. The first couple semesters at Georgia Tech, or a couple quarter, they're on the quarter system. Mm-hmm. A couple, first couple quarters, I didn't work. Okay, uh, but then starting in the spring, I started working at a uh, bike shop part time and. Kept working there, okay. uh, that same one for about eight years or so. Okay. Uh, on on and off, um, you know, part time while I was in school, and then uh, it eventually became a full time gig. Okay. Um, Is the shop still there? The shop closed up a year or two ago. Really? Okay. They, they were doing pretty well for a long time, but yeah. the, the owner retired and sold it, and. And it, I guess it didn't prosper quite as well under the under the new owner. Pandemic was tough in a lot of businesses, and um, and and then uh, then I got hired after I was working there for a while. I got hired by an, another shop that wanted to open up a new location. Okay, and they they brought me on to to manage that new store for them. Oh, nice. Okay. Did you have a preference of like clearly you're still working with bikes, like between you know being the one to to just work on the bikes and like to help run the shop. Was there? Did you enjoy that more? Um, I, I still managed to do a lot of work on the bikes. Okay. While I was there managing it. And, okay. Um, you know, my favorite thing was building the wheels, and really? so, okay. so I still did a lot of wheel building. Okay. Uh, and we were a fairly high end shop. Most most of the bikes that we sold were um, you know, um, high end uh, custom frames that we would uh, build up with uh, Campy or Shimano or. Uh, sometimes Mavic equipment, okay. uh, which was uh, available back then. So they had some pretty interesting stuff back in the back in the early nineties. Okay, um, what were the what kind of speeds were those bikes at the time? Um, seven. Well, when I first started racing, uh, they were um, twelve speed. You know, six cogs on the back, two in the front. Okay, okay, and then. Uh, Event, you know, that turned into seven speed. It was seven speed for a long time, uh, up until late 80s. And then, then eight speed came out, and then nine speed in the early, early 90s. And then I was out of the business uh, after 96. And then, you know, then 10 speed came out almost speed. right away after that. Now 11, 11 and 12, 12 in the yeah. back. So. Yeah. Now we've got, now we've got 12. Yeah. Um, what do you ride on now? What are the speeds you have now? Um, yeah, I've got a couple of campy equipped bikes, a couple of SRAM equipped bikes. Okay. Um, I've got my townie bike that I rode over here on that's yeah. uh, internal gearing. Internal gear? Like internal in the, in the, in the... It's in the back hub, so it's, uh, you know, you know, it's got an eight-speed internal, so there's no exposed derailleur or anything. It's really? Okay. A, lot better, a lot better for around town or if you're... Got a bike that's gonna get exposed to a lot of dirt and mess. Uh, I will have to look at that before you leave then, because I don't know if I've actually seen internal gearing before. I've seen enclosed single speeds. Yeah, I don't think I've. Maybe I have and I didn't notice it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It would just look like a single speed, just with a little 
larger diameter rear hub and that uh, with the cable sticking out of it for uh, for shifting. Yeah, I've got a shifter on the handlebars. Okay, okay. Um, uh, so you're working at the bike shop um, in Georgia. Um, you then go to a different bike shop, which you then uh, help manage their other locations, mm -hmm. manage your location. Um, and how long were you at that, the helping manage that location? Uh, that was another business. another eight years at that okay. one. So wait, eight at the one and eight at the other? Hmm? Eight at the wait. Eight, eight at one, eight at the other. Yeah. Okay, okay. It's a long time of bike experience there. Um, yeah. uh, you miss that? You miss the working in the bike shop? Yeah, and um, it was yeah. My my life <laughs> revolved around bikes at that point. So yeah, between that way. between riding and and working at the shop, uh, yeah, for, yeah, everybody I knew was uh, was a cyclist. So mm -hmm. you know, working working at a shop is this constant constant stream of friends coming in and people I knew from racing. Mm -hmm. um, so you're managing the, the store. I'm trying to figure out how to get to the point of you working with. Uh, racing teams. Oh yeah, so it's crash um, into it. One of the one of the things that I did for you know, mechanic training uh, was to go out to the Olympic the Olympic Training Center, okay, um, out in Colorado where they had a and they still do this once a year. They do they have, mechanic, they have a mechanics clinic for uh, for team mechanics and you know I didn't have any intention of becoming a team mechanic, but I uh, thought it would just be some some. Uh, you know, some good training, some, you know, might learn a few interesting yeah. things. And when, when I was out there, they, uh, had people from, uh, Campagnolo and Shimano with that were with their technical support programs mm -hmm. that go around to races and do what they call neutral support. Okay. Where they, uh, anybody that's not on a team or that the team car is not nearby, mm -hmm. Uh, they'll help help them out with the race, you know, give them a new wheel or bike and get them back in the event. Um, and the team mechanic and the people that that have been to that clinic uh, because they've been through the training mm -hmm. were able to uh, volunteer to work at events with uh, with Campanello and Shimano. Okay. Uh, with with their programs, uh, oh, that sounds like fun. And but then it also occurred to me, well. You know these guys only show up to the to the really big events, and there's you know having been having put on some races mm -hmm. and also I've been had been working as an, a USCF official at mm -hmm. a lot of events. I knew that you know with the, with the smaller events there was nobody there doing you know working as a mechanic because yeah. you know we couldn't get on the you know, Shimano or Campy um, schedules. So I thought well yeah that that could be a interesting promotional thing for our shop. So I, so I went to uh, one of my friends at a car dealership, mm -hmm. talked to the the people at uh, Campagnolo that I knew, and and at Serata where we, we were one of the bigger Serata bicycle dealers, okay. uh, and um, managed to get sponsorship and got all the equipment together along with the along with the uh, station wide with all the all the racks on it, and okay, yeah. towing around the, the bikes to the events, and uh, immediately that year started doing. Started doing um, mechanical support at races on the weekends. Okay. Both with my, my little company that I started up and mm -hmm. uh, and volunteering with Campy Shimano and then later Mavic when they came out with their program and then SRAM eventually many years later started up a support program. Uh, so I 
So I worked at uh, events all over the country, uh, you know, ranging from little local criteriums yeah. or uh, some mountain bike races and uh, to state. To, I was doing stage races, and a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of pro races. I uh, worked with Shimano at the first uh, uh, mountain bike world championships, which were out in Durango, Colorado. Okay. Uh, mm. Worked uh, uh, national championships uh, that uh, they, they used to have as uh, uh, part of a race up in. Uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, not Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was doing about 40 events a year as a mechanic on the weekends, plus and then working at the shop during the week and then trying to ride my bike some too. So it was, it was busy. It was a busy time. Yeah. It sounds like it was a busy time. Uh, it sounds like it was a very, very busy time. Wait, um, what did you go to school for? Uh, started off in electrical engineering. Okay. Did um, did some work as a, a, a co-op uh, doing electrical engineering where they would... Uh, Georgia Tech had this program where you would go to school for a, a quarter, work okay. within your within your program for a quarter, and then you know, alternate. And I thought, well, that'd be a good way to pay for school and get some experience. Yeah. And yeah, I did that for for a while, but the, the electrical engineering jobs that that I ended up doing were intensely boring. Okay. Um, so I switched majors uh, to uh, management science, which is more, okay. which is what they called it back then. It was more mathematics based. And, okay. Uh, just trying to solve business problems using management science. Using, okay. using, using math and, and analytics. Um, that later became, uh, you know, Decision sciences, and that was called, the same field is called data science. Okay. Uh, yep. So the, the, the work has stayed the same pretty much. Just the, the names keep changing to, okay. to whatever's trendy. Okay. All right. Um, and I think it's the, yeah, the data science, I think this is where it's at still now. Um, okay. Yeah. One to ask because clearly that was, uh, I didn't think you had an education that was like, Learns how to be a bike mechanic kind of thing or working. No, that was yeah, just yeah. just it's, from just from okay. working on the job. Okay, all right, that's what I um, uh, This uh, mechanics clinic um, in Colorado. Right? Yeah. How long was that? How long was this clinic? It was just uh, it was only like four days, five days or something. Yeah. Okay. Um, so just you know teaching the it was it was pe- for people that were already experienced mechanics. Okay. Like you know, mostly uh, you know, mechanics that were had been working in shops for a while, mm-hmm. uh, but wanted to to get out and work for for a team as a team mechanic. Okay. Uh, so they showed you all the things like how to properly wash a bike, how to drive a car in the caravan, how to how to okay. change wheels fast. Okay. Uh, and, okay. And then you know a lot of lot, a lot of classes about what the rules were for all these things. You know where. You know where your car had to be positioned in the in the caravan, so that you know in order. To, yeah, that's definitely you know, not just like yeah, just how to you know fix a flat. That's oh yeah, there was none. Of, yeah. There was none of that. It was no, yeah. no, nothing about how to actually fix bikes. It was all um, how to how to apply what you already know to a, a race situation. Okay, but it was it was still pretty fun. And then um, after I. After I got back and decided it would be a, a good promotional thing for my shop, yeah. You know, a couple years later, they invited me back to teach at that clinic. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, because I was, 
somehow I was the first person to start up an independent program like that. Okay. And so they wanted to, uh, they wanted me to come back and teach other people how to, how to set up their programs and, and, okay. and, uh, arrange with promoters to do it on a local level okay. and, and get more independent programs like mine out there. Okay. Um, did you like that? Did you like being the, the, the like teaching people that kind of thing? I, I did. Uh, I like, and yeah, I felt like a, I was kind of out of place because all the people that were teaching were all these kind of superstars in the, in the bike mechanic world. Um, uh, you, know, Bert, you know, people like, uh, Rick Hurtberg who had started Wheelsmith, which is a big wheel company back then. Yeah. Uh, Calvin Jones from park tools, who you probably see on his videos all probably, the time yeah, now. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the, the guys that were running the, the big support programs from, from Campy and Shimano and, um, Koichi Yamaguchi, who was the frame builder that built all the U.S. national team's bike back okay. then. And, you know, people that were pretty famous in the bike world. And I was, okay. you know, I was like, I'm there teaching with them. And I just like, okay, I can, I can, I can do this. <laughs> I mean, it's still, it's still bikes. I mean, yeah. you, you might have been on that trajectory. You know, yeah. kind of thing, you know, I think turned out differently. Um, uh, so you're teaching, teaching with these other, other folks and um, you do it just the once you go back and, and teach uh, the just, just the once. Okay. And, and uh, I guess they got enough uh, independent programs started after that, that, okay. uh, that you know, they, they shifted the focus. Okay. Okay. Um, do you miss like the, the, the working at the, I mean, I guess you, the, Actually, you've already mentioned that you, you miss working on the, the bikes and things on a regular basis, but um, like working at the events. Yeah, that was always fun. Uh, yeah. Very high stress. Okay. Uh, you know, because you're either like in a in a criterium, you're you're in the wheel pit, just waiting for a crash to happen, and when a, when somebody comes into the pit after okay. after crashing, okay. they're all lamped up because they've crashed. There's yeah. usually a whole bunch of guys at one time because you know more than one person goes yeah. down in a crash. And, you know, so you're just trying to get the wheels changed before the pack comes around again after their free lap and, you know, just get them back in the race. And, or if you're on, a, if it's a road race, you know, you're in a car and, you know, you'll pull up to a crash or a flat and you got to yeah. get that wheel changed with no time to spare and, and just get them back on the road and, and, you know, try to get them back into the race. Um, so. as, as someone who is, in the event so you're you're in the event um or you're you know you're in the car it's got all the bike strapped to mm -hmm. it you know ready to help like what were the things you were not supposed to do short of like not hit the cyclist like yeah that's always a bad thing um, <laughs> um well you, it's really frowned upon to uh, to give them a draft back up to the event or yeah. back back up to the pack okay they do, but it's supposed to, you know, you got to be subtle about it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Oh, um, uh, all right. Because um, the, the, the rider's the one that's going to get get penalized for that uh, if, they're, if they're drafting behind, behind your car. Uh, so usually what the riders will do is they'll just kind of leapfrog from car, from car to car and not mm. stay behind any one individual car long okay. enough that they're going to get fined. Um, you know the, the sticky bottles as they as they put it right, when you hold, you hold, the, bottle, hold yeah. the bottle out the out the I, window I've, and I've they just kind of latch onto it, and give them a tow. Uh, you know, apart from things like that, the, you know the the officials don't like seeing mechanics hanging out the window. Okay. They, you know, even if you're trying to repair or talk to the rider, you know, they want to stay inside 
inside the car, not not uh, okay. not, not leaning out doing doing stupid stuff. Um, but like like you said, you know, the main thing is just don't hit the riders, <laughs> don't hit spectators, don't hit other cars. Um, the, a few of the races I was in, there were there were some incidents, not not involving me or any of my cars, but mm-hmm. uh, some other you know, some other like motorcycles would. Yeah. Have issues or. Yeah. Um, I've seen videos of. There's one. I, I've seen videos of like where I at least recall one where like a motorcycle breaks down at a pretty narrow pass and like a and one person slams into the and then everyone slams into yeah. this to this uh, person on a moped who like stopped in the middle of the, the course. Yeah there, yeah. there was um, an event that I worked about 10 different years Um uh, Athens Trilight Criterium, okay. which is a, one of the bigger criteriums in the country at that time. Um, you know, they'd have in the pro race, they'd have about 120 riders or so on a tight criterium course. Okay. And th- this is af- after I'd stopped, uh, stopped uh, doing support for it. Uh, one, of the, one of the motorcycles stalled out in a corner or okay. just, just past the corner. Okay. The pack came, they couldn't get it restarted. The pack came around the corner and just a massive pile up a really? bunch of people a bunch of people got hurt that was that was ugly oh that sucks um you know crashes are a th- are i don't say part of it part of the chance of things that might happen during a racing um but that that seems scary it seems really scary that it, somebody's just like stuck on the the, in yeah, the turn kind of thing yeah um that's all yeah that's always always a bad thing and uh yeah the, the racers themselves are enough of a Enough of a danger. Another, another event, another time at that same race um, when I was doing the support for it, there was a breakaway group of like four or five riders. Yeah, and on the the last lap, you know, they were ringing the bell and waiting. Yeah. And the, the the breakaway group goes by the finish line. Then the mm-hmm. you know you know thirty seconds later, the pack goes around the finish. Yeah, past the finish line, and we're waiting for them to come around the back side of the course. And it's like, okay, well the. Where's the breakaway? And yeah. then the pack comes through. It's like, there's no way they caught him. You know, they had a yeah. big enough gap. And it turns out that some, you know, deadbeat in the, with a shopping cart had wandered into the course and took out the breakaway group. Oh, my God. Um, you know, and I've also seen that. I've seen the videos where, like, at least I recall one, like, a lady's on the phone oh, and yeah. walks across well, the, well, across mm-hmm. the course. Um, you would... Th- you would think that people would notice. I mean, people are lining the road. There yeah, must be a thing going on. And there's barricades all over the place. I wonder. Probably not I, cross. I, yeah, I wonder why they're trying to keep people out of there. Not everyone takes that into into thought. They're just in their own world. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that occurs to me when you know doing a, doing road races. You know, if I was on a motorcycle. Yeah. You know, I'm not holding on to anything. Mm-hmm. Just except the wheels, I'm holding holding a pair of wheels sitting behind the the driver. Okay. And like one time we were we had stopped to change a wheel and then we went to catch back up with the pack, and the roads were closed going through the middle of Atlanta. Yeah. But you know after the pack goes by, people start crossing the roads, mm-hmm. and we're going seventy miles an hour trying to through these downtown streets trying to catch up with the trying <laughs> to catch up with the pack, and I'm thinking to myself, I hope. There's nobody crossing the roads yeah, up here, right? Because we're just yeah flying along. So, um, so you would do this also on the motorcycle as well, yeah. okay? Yeah, yeah, depending on the the event and okay. and who I'm working for at a given event. You know, sometimes it'd be on the 
in a car. Sometimes I'd be on a motorcycle uh, at the on the road races. Sometimes I'd, you know, criteriums were easy. They were always in the pit. When you were in the car, <clears throat> would it just be you, or would it be like a team of people in the car to do stuff, kind of thing? Uh, usually, I'd, I'd have somebody driving. I'd be okay. in the back. I'd be okay. in the back seat with the with, with the, the wheels the, and okay. some tools and. Okay. Um, uh, you know, hopefully it was some one of my own people driving. Sometimes at, at some events, um, especially if they were a, a good ways out of town and not not a big enough event to to bring a lot of people to, I'd mm-hmm. have to get a volunteer driver, and that was okay. always sketchy because I'd have to you know kind of coach them yeah, from the back seat on, on you know where to be in the in the. You know, when you say a volunteer driver, like. Hey, other human, can you just drive this car? Or like, was there some kind of prerequisites for this person? Yeah, it was, pretty much, it was pretty much just a, okay, you've bike raced before and you're not racing today. You kind of know how this works. And okay. Drive my, you're, you want to drive a car? It's pretty fun. <laughs> okay. Wow. Um, I mean, just, just a little bit above stranger. Um, they're at least a mm-hmm. cyclist. Yeah, it's, it's somebody that the race promoter would provide. I'd, I'd okay. let her know in advance if we were going to have to require a volunteer driver okay okay all right okay and so, so not a, not a stranger we, like, yeah. we never we never crashed any of the cars uh, there was some sketchy driving a okay few times. Uh, <laughs> one guy thought i asked me if he was like a former ambulance driver or something because he was going around those corners at full speed yeah <laughs> which, is, which is why that that car went through uh cv joints about every twenty thousand miles really it was oh. it was got driven driven hard I asked a question about your your racing the, the moving mm-hmm. around here. Um, what kind of racing did you just just enjoy all racing that you could do, or was there like certain types of race that like you you really it, enjoyed? It was pretty much anything I could find with two wheels. Really, yeah, you know, Starford racing because that's just what existed where I where I grew up mm-hmm. and and what I kept doing when I started Georgia Tech. Okay, um, they had a track there in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So I started doing track racing, okay. bought, a, bought a track bike. Uh, in the early '80s, you know, mountain biking started becoming a thing, mm-hmm. and there was no racing. But I, bought, I got myself a mountain bike and mm-hmm. started just exploring kind of some of the kind of crazy trails. There were no dedicated mountain bike trails back then, but we just okay. kind of just dig, out, dig, yeah, you dig out topo maps and look for mm-hmm. places to ride. Uh, but then in uh, it's been like 85 or so. Uh, the The shop that had been sponsoring our racing team uh, somehow had a connection with the Super Bowl of motocross. Okay. This big you know, motocross race that uh, they held, had in the stadium downtown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and during the intermission, they, they thought, okay, it would be fun to have a, a mountain bike race because we heard about these mountain bikes. Okay. So that was the first first race I ever did. And we had like ten or fifteen guys participate in that just as a kind of demonstration event. Yeah. And they start us on the same same blocks as the as the motorcycles, had us doing the same course. But yeah. You know, after after the motorcycles had been going through that dirt, you know, it was all rutted and oh uh, yeah, yeah. And just impossible to ride on. But you know, they started they started the they started us in the gates. Yeah. Everybody everybody went for that same same spot. Oh, right. Same, same. And, yeah. and we all crashed. Every single person <laughs> crashed because we all went for that same spot. It was just one big pileup. 
And we had 15,000 people in the stadium cheering for us because they thought it was so amazing. Really? It was like, okay, there was a crash. Okay, this has our attention now. And they were kind of cheering us on for the rest of it. So you got, y'all got back on. Nobody broke. Oh, yeah. Anything. Yeah, we all, we all got going. We weren't going fast enough to cause any damage at that point. Okay. All right. But it was, it, was a, it was a struggle getting around that course because those jumps were designed for motorcycles. Yeah. And so. Big jumps. Yeah, we, we weren't jumping over, and we were just barely getting to the top of <laughs> top of the ramps if we could. Um, I'm sure those people were entertained. Yeah. Um, and Super Bowl of motocross. There's a chance. I when was this? Eighty five. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was eighty five, right around there. Yeah, I was gonna say if maybe if it had been like ninety, I would say there's probably some video of that somewhere. But like eighty five, I I I that I don't know. I don't know. That might. Be. Yeah, there's. Yeah, there's a pretty slim chance that there's any video yeah. of the yeah. of the inter- intermission entertainment. I mean, there's a chance, but I, I yeah, mm. I feel less likely at that point in time. You know, back then. Um, but um, uh, and when you're like, what was the, what was the what is the name of the thing that you're doing when you're in the car during the race? Like, what is what is that actually it's, called? Is that a, is that called a thing? Tech support or neut- neutral support? Neutral if, support. If, okay. Yeah, because the team the teams would have their own team cars. You yep. know, if it's if it's a big if it's a big pro race, yep. you know, each of the team will have a have a team car, and then we'll have, also have a, a neutral support car, which yep. is just will assist anybody that gets over overlooked by the team cars if their car wasn't around, or if they're uh, on a rider that's on a small enough team, or if their team car is not there, uh, we'll we'll take care of them, and then. Uh, the really big events we'd have um, two neutral support cars plus motorcycles, and then the the, the motorcycles would go with the breakaway mm-hmm. or take care of any any straggler riders. And then the, if it was a big bigger breakaway, we'd have one of the one of the neutral cars would go with the breakaway. Okay, and that was always scary because you have to pass the pack. The pack, yeah, to get and, up there. Yeah, so there's a lot of horn honking and screaming going on to try to get past them, especially on. On the mountain roads. Okay. Um, what seemed to be something? What's how to ask this? Um, was there something that seemed like you, you a more common fix than anything else? Was it just like lots of flats, like all the time? Like what was something? You, was there anything that, you, like you feel like you had to fix more often during those races? Like, during the races, it was mostly flats or crashes. Okay. Um, the you know we'd be around before the races started, and so we would end up doing a lot of deferred maintenance for some of these, some of these pros that uh, didn't have a lot of team support. Uh, deferred, deferred maintenance. Like they like, came to the they thing. Came, with, they came to the event with, 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 with worn out cables, worn out chains, stuff that just, they shouldn't have been riding on. Okay. Uh, you know, there were a couple, couple of Europe, European riders that, uh, that were racing here in the U S at the time that didn't really have any team support because they, right out of the country they, for they, them. Yeah, the guys weren't there. And, and so, they would see me at every every race. It's like they just show up, at the, you know, before the race started. Okay, Dave, here's my bike. Take, mm-hmm. You know, get me get me going again. And so, but I always brought a lot of uh, spare parts and and would make sure to get them going. Okay, All right. Um, yeah, I was curious. I I I, um, I did think flats would be the most common, but I don't know if like what else would be, you know, happening. Yeah, yeah. Before day. yeah, before the races, it would be you know. Worn chains, broken cables, broken broken spokes during the races. Yeah, flat. Yeah, mostly flat tires. And if they have a problem with their wheel, we would just put a new wheel on. Okay. Wheels were a little more universal back then, instead of 
you know, okay, is it 11 speed or 12 speed? Can it be your Shimano or SRAM? You know, back then it was just like, here's your seven speed wheel, rim brake, you know, it's all, it'll, it'll fit. At what point do you, if it's during a race, at what point do you just say like, this is too complicated to fix right now? If it's during a race, we just give them a new bike. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just a whole new bike. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we had, um, you know, Serato provided uh, uh, neutral support bikes for us that okay. we had can't be equipped okay. uh, with, you know, had different sizes and mm-hmm. cool releases on the seat post. So we would just get them on, get them on a bike and adjust it as and close to them as close, possible. Yeah, get it, get it, get it close and get them on their way. Okay. Um, Anybody ever win on the the replacement bikes? You recall? Uh, yeah, I mean, there was. I remember at least one Criterium where the where the winner was on on uh, one of my support bikes. Really? Okay. And there were a lot of people that that won on wheels that that we had given them, uh, but that's too many to count, probably. Okay. Um, yeah, I just wondered, like, maybe they got a better bike, you know? Maybe. Um, do you feel like? Uh, do you feel like someone's bike helped them win the race? Do you feel like that they that that it was definitely the bike that put them I, over the top of whatever the pack? Yeah, is I, I don't think a bike is going to help you win a race, okay. but a bike can definitely help you lose a race. <laughs> okay, okay, all right. But, you, know, you know, just from things not things not working right or not surviving, I, I saw a lot more problems with mm-hmm. a lot more losses than I can attribute to like a poorly maintained or poorly designed or poorly thought out bike, then I can think of any race that was, was won because they were on a superior, superior bike. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, I just, I, I didn't, um, didn't know. Um, and it makes me think about like the average person, the average rider, right. The non, non racer, um, you know, getting a 10,000, 15,000, you know, 15,000 up there. Um, you know, getting a really high end bike, um, and how much of an advantage are they going to see at their, you know, their local group rides? Minimal. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, that's, that's the most important thing. I always tell people when they're looking for a new bike, a get one that fits. That's, mm-hmm. that's the most important. That's more important yeah. than anything else. And get a new frame. And then don't worry about if Don't worry about it being light. Don't worry about it being aerodynamic. Worry about it being durable. You know, mm, you want okay. it to be re- reliable. A broken mm-hmm. bike's not going to get you anywhere. That's true. Yeah. And then, you know, so fit first, then dur- then reliability, and then you can start worrying about weight or aesthetics or aerodynamics. But those those are far down the list after after fit and uh, reliability. Okay, all right, um, that makes sense. I mean, uh, yeah, comfortable bike that works um, and that will do the task that you're trying to get to do. So mm-hmm. durable, um, as opposed to like it's pretty or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. All right, I got a good deal on it, but it's too small for me. <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, I've I've heard that before. I've mm-hmm. heard. I know. I know more than one person who's gotten a bike, which I can, I can understand if you weren't that committed about it. You got like I can see how that happens, right? Mm-hmm. But that shouldn't be what people should go for, kind of thing. If you have a choice of getting a bike, you know, get one that fits appropriately, that you'll be more encouraged to ride. Kind right. of thing, as opposed to like I ride occasionally, but it's kind of uncomfortable. Yeah, that's what I understand. Um, uh, pardon me for snooping, but I've seen you on a tandem. 
Yeah. Uh, first, when did, did, that happen? did the first tandem rides, uh, a friend of mine had a mountain bike tandem, a, a Richie mountain bike, a, a Richie mountain bike tandem. This is back in the late eighties when, when I was racing mountain bikes a lot. Okay. And, um, a friend of mine, another friend of mine and I borrowed it to do some races on thinking it would be just hilarious. <laughs> okay. And, and it, and it was at, at the same time, hilarious and terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What, why, what was so scary about racing? Well, on well, this tandem Cause I was the person on the back okay. during, during the, doing those races. Okay. And the guy that was captaining it, you know, the guy in the front, uh, was just an absolute madman really on a, on a mountain bike um, and no no regard for safety or <laughs> anything and, and we never had any any bad crashes but yeah and it was you weren't was in control a, it was a scary yeah not, yeah whipping down these uh mountain bike courses without being able to control anything like, <laughs> okay i'm just along for the ride i'm gonna <laughs> apply some power and hope for the best um, and, and but from that, when you know, I started started riding uh, tandems with uh, my wife after after I met her, mm-hmm. uh, picked up a, a road tandem, okay, and did a lot of riding with her, okay. Um, and we also got a mountain bike tandem, okay. And I and I knew at that point, yeah, what what, what not, not to do, do. yeah, yeah to, to, to scare somebody. Um. Uh, who was the captain? If you, you and your wife, right? You you were the that, right, I, right? I, yeah, I was okay. the captain. Generally, with the tandem, you want the stronger person, stronger upper body at least. Okay, okay. to right. be up to be up front. Right. Yeah, because uh, it it takes a lot of a lot more leverage, a lot more strength on the bars to okay. keep the front wheel going straight. Especially uh, especially off road, there okay. can you, know, you hit bumps and stuff, and and uh, that there's a lot of a lot of weight pushing that front wheel. And if you, so it takes a little more force than on a single bike to keep it going the direction you want. Um, so, uh, I've done gravel riding, mm-hmm. plenty of road riding. Um, and I have done no mountain biking and mountain biking seems unlikely for, for me to, to get mm-hmm. into. It seems unlikely when I have no bike for it. Um, but the idea of being on a tandem mountain bike seems insane. For me, it just personally. So, if you have a reasonable captain, it's it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot more. It's a lot more fun than you would expect. Okay. Because uh, you know, the a mountain bike tandem, you're not going to endo it because it's so long. Okay. So you can go down up, up or down ridiculously steep stuff that would be right, yeah, a little sketchy on a, over. on a yeah, single tandem on a single weight. bike. <clears throat> Switchbacks are tricky. Yeah, because it's, longer, yeah, yeah. it's like longer. trying to drive a semi rig through a you know, <laughs> tight downtown area. Uh, but you learn how to do it, and and just try not to get those uh, the rear handlebars caught on any trees or do anything. And uh, we were always allowed, or we always figured, okay, if we only crash once during a ride, mm-hmm. that's acceptable. Okay. <laughs> if we're off, if we're off road, because you know we're, we're going to do something stupid and. You know, just dump dump the bike on something. Okay. Uh, more than once, you know, we started to get into t- territory where I was going to be in trouble. Okay. Uh, 
And then, oh, wait, just to clarify for anyone, this is still you racing with your friend on the mountain bike. No, this, this was with my wife. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. So, okay. And, and, and so we, we started doing some racing. Okay. Um, there were, you know, there were a lot of mountain bike races that would either just let us race because they thought it would be interesting to see a tandem come out there or they would actually have a tandem category. Okay. Um, uh, we we talk and or we talk the promoters into adding a tandem court category or just letting us race like you know we did uh, things like the twelve hours of Sally, okay, which is a twelve hour mountain bike race down there. Uh, and was all this racing in Georgia? That was in North Carolina. Oh, in North Carolina. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, so so this point you're you're riding a tandem, um, racing a tandem sometimes yeah. with, yeah, with ra- your wife. Yeah, ra- yeah. So we so we'd race. On, we did some road racing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some mountain bike racing. There was, uh, we knew enough other people on tandems that we could a lot of times talk to the, talk to race promoters far enough, far enough in advance. Because I knew a lot of them from, from doing the the tech support. Okay, Um, yeah. So I'd call them up and try to talk them into adding a tandem category and say, okay, if we can get, you know, a dozen tandems out there, would you add a category for us? Yeah, so we we even had uh, one, uh, stage race where they added a tandem category. Really? So it was uh, a, a, a criterium, a road race, and a time trial. Mm-hmm. And they added a category for the tandems that, that my urging. And I managed to get a bunch of my friends to show up on tandems. Uh, the road race went well. The time trial obviously went well. The crit was it went less well. Okay. It was a pretty tight uh six corner downtown crit okay and about half the tandems ended up crashing at some point because they, they were just were they just weren't built for those or yeah they, they weren't built for that, yeah. that those such tight turns uh, and they would blow out their tires because they were cornering cornering so hard yeah. to, it would just pull the tires off the rim and it yeah it was so you're, you're riding that you're, you're racing the tandem with mm-hmm. your wife at the time um were you all just like riding around to prepare for these things or, or were you doing training for these yeah things? yeah we were actually trying to train at that okay. point um, okay so we would we would do a lot of the local uh, training rides to show up on the, on the tandem and okay you know, get in with the, the the racers and do their their fast training rides um, okay there was even a um a training criterium in atlanta similar to the brian park crit okay. here okay and we would show up to that on the tandem Okay. Which was interesting. Trying to be in the middle of the middle of the match. That would be a little little difficult. Yeah. You know? Uh small course as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, not not that different. Yeah, just an office park instead of a actual park, but yeah, same same kind of thing. And uh, but again I knew most of the people that were racing and 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 they would yeah, we were a good wheel to be on. If the, yeah, um, yeah, it's a huge it's, draft, huge, um, huge slipstream rather. Um, yeah, there. so we'd, and we do a lot of the centuries around, okay, uh, around that area too. Um, so we show up to show up to the centuries and just shoot for f- four hours. Really? Because yeah, because because it's a good draft, and 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 there were enough other fast racers that you okay. know, we would just get we just get a pace line going and. Yeah, most most of the time if it was a flat enough century you could finish under under four hours. You know, yeah. it might be four fifteen on the ones with a little, little more hills or uh, the super hilly ones like uh, Six Gap Century, okay. which is up in North, North Georgia Mountains, is hundred miles and ten thousand feet of climbing. 
That would that would take a little longer. That would be like five and some change. That's still that's still a huge feat on a a tandem on a heavy bike. Um, that's still I mean that's a huge that's a huge feat even without it being on a tandem, um, but more so because it is. Um, your wife still ride? You still ride on the tandem? Does the tandem still exist? Uh, no. Uh, okay. And yeah, we're di- we're divorced now. Uh, okay. She's, she still rides. Uh, okay. Uh, so it's no just tandem. not with me. Yeah, no, no more tandems in my life. My daughter was riding, uh, still riding tandems with me for a while. Okay. Uh, she's she prefers being on her own bike these days. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, but we get out to Pocahontas and you know, with her on her mountain bike, and I'll okay. just take my gravel bike out there and and ride. I think I scared I probably scared her too many times on the <laughs> on the tandem, or she's embarrassed to be seen with me. One of the two. <laughs> um, does she? Uh, how old is she? She's fifteen. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's old enough to certainly be out there and handling the course. Um, right. Well, has she done, does she, does she enjoy it as much? Do you think, or she's just like, this is daddy daughter time kind of thing. Uh, no, she still does things like the, the moonlight, uh, okay. Okay. Uh, right. And, uh, and some other, some other, you know, more low key events like that. Okay. And, and, but she gets, she enjoys getting out on her, on her mountain bike at, on, on the easier trails, she's she's a little bit wimpy okay. on the on the, anything more technical, but okay. So am I a little bit? Okay, all right. Um, just curious. Um, uh, so that was the there was racing, then there was racing on the tandem um, for a while. Um, uh, do you have a? Is there a type of riding that you enjoy more than others? These days, I am really enjoying the gravel riding. Okay. Um, Mostly just to you know get out and explore new areas, okay. uh, especially over in the over in the mountains. Uh, I like like uh, I like climbing. I like it. I like finding new roads, new places. Uh, okay, and uh, gravel's gravel's real good for that. Okay, um, I think I told Brian as well. Um, at some point, I will join the uh, the coffee grinder. Right, I've done the route mm-hmm. m- mostly during the daytime with like ideal weather. Um, but there's a concern about the doing in the dark kind of thing, but I've got a headlight. Yeah. yeah and, and it's getting light enough in the morning now. Um, like yesterday when we did it, there yeah. was, it was light enough to see without a light by the okay. time we got to any, anything too technical. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I need to do the, I need to do the course on my own one more time mm-hmm. and then I might be, more inclined because one doing a road ride and getting up early enough to do a road ride is already a challenge. Yeah. Um, and then to think to get up and do, uh, some slight off road. Um, and it's also better when it's not, you know, 35 degrees out, which is why I haven't been out there in a, in yeah. a while. Um, and hopefully, hopefully, um, I don't give the date all the time. What is it? April 21st. So hopefully we will have warmer mornings again. Um, and not these 40 degree mornings, um, you know, at 6am, you know, yeah. Or, um, or yesterday, at some parts of the ride, it was down to about thirty degrees. Yeah, you know, along the along the river where it's cooler. So it's like, oh, that was a little chilly. You know, I for this time of year, especially. Yeah, I um, my thoughts on like the cold rides are um, I'm less inclined to do a in the dark ride that's cold, um, than like if you know middle of the day and it's mm-hmm. forty degrees kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but also I'm not fond of a ride where 
in the more in the start of it it's winter and then you know somewhere in the middle it becomes summertime like yeah I yeah when they have a lot of you have to worry about uh changing changing layers and yeah i don't like to have to take stuff off even though i've got a nice i've got a um yeah. nice jersey that's got a the sleeves will zip mm -hmm. off um yeah yeah, we get the, the most participation on our morning rides uh, mm -hmm. in the middle of the summer mm -hmm. when it's lighter out in the morning yeah. and when it's warmer and it's when it's too warm to ride in the afternoon. Everybody says, okay, I don't want to ride in 95 degrees, so I'll get out in the morning when it's okay. only 75. <laughs> I will likely be joining you all uh, with more of those rides mm -hmm. uh, come probably another month or so. Yeah. Um, kind of thing. Um, uh, so at what point... Um, did you join um, Roll Call? Did you start riding with the, the crew out here? I started riding with him. Well, we didn't call it Roll Call at that time. Okay. Right? When when I first moved to Richmond, I guess fall of 2014, uh, met some people. Uh, Fred Gerson mm -hmm. being the, the mm -hmm. one that uh, told me about those uh, the, the morning rides that they were doing. And uh, at that time, it was just mostly just Tim and uh, John Markowitz. Mm-hmm. Uh, showing up at you know, five forty-five in the morning for for some reason I don't, I don't know why they picked that time or that that particular corner corner Grove in Malvern, mm -hmm. uh, but that's where they would meet uh, and and just go on go on some rides occasionally. There was no set schedule back okay. then, and and it would occasionally be some other people, but mostly it was just those two guys. And then I started showing up. Um, we you know over the years we started getting more more people showing up to the yeah. rides and. Uh, I guess somehow somehow it spread. I, I think maybe because of uh, of Strava and just showing up on there, you know, people would see the rides and go, "Okay, you know, how do I how do I show up? How do I do these rides?" And yeah. we just you know start spreading the word. And uh, we wanted to have a name for it because mm -hmm. it was getting getting a little bit bigger, and you know, and kind of outgrew uh, Fred's little. Um, text message list that he had yeah. uh, for, for riders to, to share the info. Um, and a, a friend of mine from Atlanta had started calling his group that met in the morning roll call okay. ATL okay. in Atlanta because there had been a similar group called roll call that was out in San Francisco okay. that would ride occasionally in the morning. And so I thought, okay, well, we'll do a roll call RVA. Okay. And, uh, this copy the name okay adapt adapted it locally and uh, and we start up a, another messaging group we're using signal now uh yep. just because mm -hmm. we had outgrown the text messaging and we tried some other messaging services that yeah didn't, you know just trying to find ways to get the word out without uh, being mm -hmm. too annoying and, yeah uh, settled on signal that's been working pretty well for us so okay. we've got over a hundred people on the message list now. Mm -hmm. um, out of out of those, there may be twenty or so people that are really active that okay. uh, show up at least on a regular basis to the rides. Yeah. Um, when we did the jerseys last year, I think we had a total of about forty people that bought bought kits. Nice. Okay. So there's a bunch of them out there. There were there was summer kits that. Um, there was a delay on getting them produced. There were some issues with uh, our our rep at Specialized okay. getting them getting the order right. But um, so they showed up kind of late for for summer riding last year. But okay. uh, but now people have them, and hopefully we'll start seeing them out on the road. Now nice. the weather's getting warm enough to actually use them. 
Nice. Um, uh, just kits. Just hats as well. Hmm? Was it just? It was just kits. Yeah, we did. Uh, just did jerseys and shorts this time. Okay. Uh, when we uh, do a reorder, whenever there's enough demand for for a reorder, we'll probably do some some vests and uh, arm warmers and maybe some other pieces, depending okay. on what people want. Okay. All right. Still trying to get uh, a company to make uh, some uh, socks that'll match those kits, but the the minimum orders for custom socks are a little higher than than what we can can really afford to to right. go with that having to make everybody buy like three pair of socks or something right yeah to justify the expense of it yeah um caps I haven't done caps that's okay. something that there's we yeah, might look into i guess there's probably a smaller just, minimum order yeah. for those you know, we, yeah then we've done you know stickers and pins and just trying to get stuff yeah yeah good stuff yep okay make it make it more of a community and have pe- give people a little sense of belonging yeah, cause, yeah, cause you know, cause you all could just could just have stayed meeting, you know, and mm-hmm. and that could have been all that it was, um, but giving a name to a thing um, does do something, you know, as you say, it makes you feel more of a community, makes people feel yeah. belong to a thing, kind of, um, you know, now you're ever a gang on bikes, kind of thing, a gang, a gang with matching clothes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That is true. That is, I think that's also a facet of a gang. There has to be some kind of uh, common clothing article. Got to have the colors. <laughs> um, um, were they always meeting at the Grove in Malvern? Was it always meeting at that spot? Yeah, the, the weekday rides always meet there. A lot oh, of the weekend the rides will meet there. Um, we also head, head out of town for, for some rides um, on okay. the weekends. Uh, we'll you know, do gravel rides up in the mountains mm-hmm. and and but th- those vary like every every weekend is different and some people just post you know whatever rides they're going to do to our message group yeah and and see who, which other people they can get along this is all who joins yeah yeah it's all ad hoc um i have seen some some bananas rides um from some of the members uh, was it mark north oh yeah did was it like a i couldn't tell i think i saw mark north and 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 addy was with him and I couldn't tell whether the 218 I saw was a one day or just... That was one day, yeah. They, they did a flesh, uh, what they call it, uh, which means arrow in French, um, up to D.C. Okay. And people, other people with the same bizarre sense of fun mm-hmm. uh, came from other areas and they all met at the same, you know, arrived at the same point at the same time, okay. more or less. They, in, they were also biking their own route yeah. and then arrived yeah. at D.C. at the same time. Yeah. That's that's a that's a lot of riding. Um, yeah, yeah. For for me, rides stopped being fun after a little after hundred miles. I've done some yeah. long I've done some long rides, but yeah. th- they've never been fun after hundred miles. <laughs> <laughs> Just like get this over with. Um, have you done any double centuries? Have you done some some doubles? No, I've done double metrics a bunch okay. of them. Actually, I did I did one double century when I was younger in okay. in at Georgia Tech and okay. thought, okay, well I can, I'll just ride up to the mountains and I can probably get a couple hundred miles in. And, okay. and I did. And again, it stopped being fun after, okay. Yeah. After 130, 140 miles, especially when the thunderstorms hit in the mountains and it's like, yeah, this is not fun. And I made it, made it back home, but yeah, not, 
Not a great time. Okay. Um, um, you, what do you take with you on a ride? Uh, local rides just, um, yeah, let's, let's say you've, you, you, in your morning rides, the, yeah, the morning just, rides, yeah, what do you, what do you take? Yeah. If I'm on my bike with inner tubes, it's, uh, just a, uh, spare inner tube, a Allen wrench and or a, a, a little folding tool set and, uh, and some CO2 and, mm-hmm. and a pump, uh, pretty minimal. Okay. Um, on the other extreme, when, when we're going up to the mountains, mm-hmm. um, Especially if there's going to be a bunch of people along, I'll I'll bring everything. I'll bring yeah, yeah. The, the you know a, a, a pump, a couple of CO twos, uh, a little thing of uh, a sealant. Uh, I've got a bag of spare parts. You know everything okay. from water bottle bolts to cleat bolts wow. okay. and spare spare chain links and zip ties. A little okay. uh, first aid kit. Uh, wow. And and. Uh, just try to cover everything. Uh, okay. I end up being the designated mechanic on on I these mean, rides, and you have the skill for it. I would assume, you know. Yeah, uh, I can figure it out. Okay. Um, do you take a saddlebag with you when, when you're doing the the morning rides? Do you take a saddlebag? Yeah, just a small saddlebag. Okay. Uh, but, uh, so it's nothing nothing too obtrusive. Yeah, you because know, it's only the inner tube and, and CO two and a Allen wrench set that doesn't take up much space. Okay. All right. Um, um, what snacks do you take with you on a ride? Snacks, <laughs> hydration. Like what do you? What do you? What, what are your um, edibles? On the on the weekday ride, the weekday rides, you know, rides under 50, 60 miles. Yeah. Nothing. Okay. I'll just I'll just ride. You know, if we throw out somewhere and we end up stopping at a store, I'm, mm-hmm. I might get some nutter butters or something. But uh, <laughs> on on the on the longer rides, I'll bring, uh, I'll, I'll drink uh, scratch. Okay. Uh, the little waffles I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes some some gel packets, but I can't eat too many of those without upsetting my stomach. So okay. I really, really eat more than more than one of those, even on a super long ride. Okay. Okay. Um, the waffles are good. Do you have a preferred? Flavor, nah, waffles. Nah. Just any waffle will do. Um, yeah, because I found that some of the stores, I think Publix sells the honey singer waffles, um, but I think it's only like the honey flavored ones. Yeah, which is fine. That's probably what I end up buying. I just buy whatever's available. Okay, all right. Um, do you have tubeless? Are you tubeless on the road bike? On the road bike, no. Okay. I don't like using tubeless on anything under about thirty millimeters. Okay. Um, just the, the the smaller, higher pressure tires. Okay. Um, it doesn't seem to to seal as well. Okay. With the higher pressure you need with the skinnier tires. Okay. But anything over thirty, I'm running tubeless. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. I've not made that switch with the gravel bike yet, which is thirty eight millimeters on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm only five months into the gravel biking now, um, and numerous people have said go tubeless on the gravel bike yeah you can run lower pressures and not have to worry about pinch flatting your tubes and you know flats are a little less frequent although when you do get a flat if it's something that the sealant doesn't seal it's mm-hmm. a little bit more problematic usually okay. uh, which is why i bring plenty of plenty of parts with me uh and, and sealant and 
Yeah, dart, silver and darts, tube, yeah. darts and plugs and yeah. Do you feel that? Um, do you feel it is? Um, so with tubeless, um, you're clearly riding without a tube. Um, you have um, whatever the sealant is in the tire. Do you feel it is? In your understanding, like that's a faster ride kind of thing, or is it just you? Or is the advantage just that you don't get pinch flats? Like, is the advantage like that's, there? That's the main advantage. Okay. Um, you know, small flats. If you know, with thorns or a little piece of glass or something, mm-hmm. a lot of times we're going to self seal. Okay. Uh, in theory, they're supposed to. Uh, in, in practice, uh, a lot. Of, you know, we see a lot of cuts that are big enough that the sealant you just can't close won't it, cut yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. And uh, but the the plugs these days work pretty well. The, the stands stands darts or the okay. other other types of plugs will seal up most of those. Uh, although. There's always there's always something that's not gonna not gonna seal. Like when we were coming back from riding at Pocahontas one time, yeah, you know, riding riding back on the road, and there was a box of razor blades on the shoulder of the road. I don't know, it must okay. have fallen off, fallen off a contractor's truck or something. And the rider in front of me hit it, and they kind of scattered, and I managed to hit one at just the right angle that put about an you know, inch and a half long cut yeah. in in my tire. And you know, there's. There's no fixing that. So yeah, had to get a, had to get a ride home from that. Okay. Um, um, what's a, what's a a ride event that you did have done that you feel really proud about? You feel like, oh, that was amazing. Like that's it. Just stands out, kind of thing. If any, you know, they may all be a blur. As far as an accomplishment, or just uh, something enjoyable. What's a ride that just stands out to you? Let's go with that one. Let's go with like what's a what's a ride you just like that was just just awesome and it just stands out. Kind of thing. I don't know. When when I was living in Georgia, my my favorite route to do was that six gap century route, okay. uh, which we were riding that a lot even before it became a yeah, an event. Uh, okay, we would just go up to the mountains and 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 ride ride that hundred mile loop, mm-hmm. uh, which was you know had some challenging climbs and yeah. fun descents and okay. just a, it's always a good day on the bike okay scenic as well very yeah very scenic awesome okay. uh, better in the winter when there are fewer motorcycles and cars around but uh, still pretty good pretty good all year round it's usually cooler up cooler up in the mountains so okay a good way to escape the heat um do you take your bike with you on your um your vacations your, your non-cycling vacations kind of thing. What's a non-cycling vacation? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that answers that. Yeah, um, yeah I, because I, I know some people's like, nope, they go, they go and do their thing, you know, the, the Thanksgiving, and like, nope, they don't take the bike with them or they yeah. don't think about it kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah, almost all my traveling and is, you know, geared around, you know, someplace, going someplace fun to ride. Okay. Or even if it's to visit family, I'll, bring a bike with me to to get some riding in okay all right um um you you strava you're on strava yeah um um when did you start using strava maybe 2011 or 12 okay um when i lived in poland for a while Mm -hmm. a couple years uh we'd gone there because of my wife's job 
Uh, when I, and I hadn't been using, I guess, going back a couple steps, hadn't been using bike computers for a while because I just didn't care about the information. Okay. When we moved to Poland, I had no idea how to find my way around. I didn't speak the language. I was learning it. But, yeah. Um, and had no idea how to, you know, what these road yeah, signs yeah, meant yeah. or anything. So, so I picked up a, a Garmin uh, 705. Okay. And, and managed to get um, maps for Poland that I could put on there. And I, okay. I would use that to, to plan routes and, if, and to find my way back home if, if I would get lost. Okay. Um, and and so, that, so that was logging my rides on their site. Mm-hmm. When I moved back to the States, I've, in, in Chattanooga, where I was living at that time, mm-hmm. uh, heard, from, heard about Strava from some people that were working at the local shop. And, oh, that sounds interesting. So I signed up for that. And then that, that ended up loading all my previous rides that were on Garmin oh, okay. and imported them into, into the Strava. Okay. And so I've got actually a little more history nice. on Strava than, than from when I was actually before remember yeah. actually using it before yeah. you started using it okay um are you like are there any segments on strava that like you're always trying to get better times or anything like that no when no when i was living in chattanooga there was a lot of good climbing right out of the right out of the city there were a whole bunch of category two climbs uh, okay. up, up some of the mountains running the town so i would and and very few people were on strava back then okay so you know, I'd do the the club ride on Tuesdays. I'd do a shorter ride on Wednesdays, and then Thursday was always my my KOM day. I would just pick some local climb and and just go get the KOM yeah, because okay. there there weren't enough people on it that to uh, that, 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 yeah. I, that I couldn't get the KOM on, on most of the climbs that I would that I would try. Okay, um, that has since changed. Probably the, I haven't looked back, but the the ones that I had the KOMs on, I'm probably not even the top hundred anymore. Really? But, okay. Because there's so many more people riding, and okay, I wasn't all that fast, but <laughs> right. But you didn't have much as much competition. At yeah. The time, you know. Big fish, small pond. Oh. <laughs> um. So you're using Strava. Um. Uh, you've already talked about your bike riding, um, earliest bike riding. Um, who taught you how to ride a bike? I don't even remember. Really? Okay. Yeah, it's you know before I had my own bike, I just remember riding around and you know whatever bikes I could borrow from the neighborhood kids and okay. you know we you know typical typical idiot kids right you know riding around and jumping over ramps and just being you know general mayhem on on bikes but yeah I don't remember specifically learning okay, okay. um um have you have you taught anyone how to ride a bike? Um, my daughter. Okay. All right. Is we you know we started we started her off uh, pulling her in a trailer when she was you know starting when she was like eight months old or so. Yeah. Um, you know, as soon as she could kind of hold her head up with a in mm-hmm. a helmet, um, got her a balance bike mm-hmm. when she was like two or so, and okay. you know started tooling along on that, and then. And when she, when she, uh, once we, she was old enough that we thought she could figure out pedals, uh, we got her a bike with pedals, and okay. she just started zipping, zipping along right, right away without her, any, nice. any hesitation. Okay. Um, anybody? Well, I guess you've taught her. Have you? Um, um, 
converted anyone to cycling to be a cyclist? Have you like introduced anyone to cycling short of your daughter teaching her? Mm, I don't know. Uh, you know, working at the shop, you know, especially, mm-hmm. you know, the, the one where we're doing mostly high end stuff, a huge percentage of our customers coming in there yeah. were runners that were in their forties and their yeah. doctors told them, you, uh, yeah, your knees right. are no good anymore. Start riding a bike. Yeah. And so, you know, they would, they would get converted, you know, so we'd have to do the whole thing, not only selling them a nice bike, but also, you know, telling about all the local training rides, you know, and helping, helping turn, the turning them into a cyclist yeah, so they could give them the whole spiel. Yeah. Um, what's something that was, what's something you really, well, you already mentioned you enjoyed wheel building, right? As a, yeah. At the bike shop. Um, what's something you didn't enjoy? When you were working at the bike shops, oh, yeah, um, it's repeated fence kind of thing. What's some, what's something like you just you know had to deal with it again, just didn't enjoy it. Yeah, any yeah, dirty bikes are always a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, worn out, you know, worn out stuff that people don't want to replace. It's okay, like, like you know, this isn't working anymore. You need to you need to just replace it and. Uh, and People a lot of times like, were no. It's yeah, no. it's like no. Can't you just make it? Can't you just make it work? It's like no, you can't. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, what's something you'd want to share with a new person? Someone who's like they've come to the bike shop, or they've approached you about like I'd like to get into riding. What's something? What would you want to tell them? What's something you'd want to tell some person who's like I think I'd like to get into cycling? Yeah. It, <laughs> The, the most the most common question I get for people that are fairly new to cycling is mm-hmm. is what kind of bike should I get? <laughs> yeah, and yeah, yeah, and, and and they you know start asking like, okay, should I get a Trek or a Specialized? And I was or some other brand, and mm-hmm. and I would say, don't pick the bike first, mm-hmm. pick the shop first. You okay, know, go to go to a few different shops close to where you live. Mm-hmm. See where you're comfortable with who you you know which one has people you like mm-hmm. and people that are, you think are going to do a good job servicing your bike because the bike shop makes more makes more of a difference than which bike you, which brand of bike it is. Okay, yeah. And and the people at the bike shop are going to help help you get on a bike that that's right for you and fits you, and they're going to keep it maintained for you. Mm-hmm. But if you if you buy a bike from a bad shop, it doesn't matter how good that bike is. Yeah. If if it you know, doesn't fit you or is the wrong bike or if they're not going to maintain it properly for you. Okay. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Of like pick a bike shop you, you'd enjoy coming back to. Yeah, think, exactly. You know? um, you'd enjoy that experience, particularly if you don't know how to maintain your bike, which I don't think most, no one yeah. would. It's yeah. Just right. Yeah. Right. And, and then the other, after, after that, I would tell them the bike is just the start. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're probably going to spend as much on all the other stuff you need helmet shoes mm-hmm. clothes um, spares and you know just you know don't if you if your budget is a thousand dollars yeah don't buy a thousand dollar bike right yeah, yeah. 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 either either, either plan for a bigger bigger budget or or scale back yeah but, you know the you know when you're just starting out there's a lot of other stuff to buy besides just the bike yeah um, yeah, cause I, I also did not, when I started, I did not think about all the other stuff that came mm-hmm. with it. Like I definitely, I knew there was a bike 
and I knew there was a helmet and then didn't think about the clothing and didn't think yeah. about like I have to get the bottles and I got to get lights. I knew the bike computer. Mm-hmm. I knew that was a thing. It's something like, okay, I had to get a bike computer to track all of this. Um, but yeah, you're right. You don't, you don't know all the extra expenses, which, which is how we um, continue to see jokes about, um, you know, become a cyclist and stay broke or something like that. You know, yeah. these are jokes are just keep circulating because there's just a continuous use of money. Um, yes. Yeah, like, <laughs> or, or, um, Get your, get your kids started on bike riding because they'll never be able to afford drugs. That yeah, it's mm-hmm. a great one. Um, which reminds me, I, <laughs> I was going to say I'm getting my nephew a bike, but that's not to say he's about to get on drugs. It's just I think I'd like to get him into cycling. Um, why do you keep riding? Um, for sanity. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so what? I mean, so for sanity. So like, why do you? What What do you enjoy about the the, the cycling? What's What's a, what do you enjoy about it? It's, you know, getting, or what do you find enjoyable about your experience cycling? Yeah. Yeah. And there are two things that seem to be at odds with each other. One, one is just being able to, to get out and explore and, and get out of the house. The other thing is to, to be with people, the, the people I ride with. Yeah. Yeah. You know, most of the rides I do these days are, are with a group, mm-hmm. um, uh, which, you know, it's my, it's become my social life and, yeah. you know, working from home, mm-hmm. uh, it's really, the, you know, the only contact with, I have with human beings apart from like <laughs> the cashier or the waitress. Uh, I'm, I'm about right there as well, yeah. but I'm quite comfortable at home. Mm-hmm. So like the bike ride is like just enough social interaction for yeah. me. Yeah. That's, that's about as much as I can handle too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but um, you know, I can only talk to my dog so much. So, <laughs> yeah. um, Teach your dog sign language or something. Yeah. Um, uh, what um, do you have like a brand of kits and stuff like that that you found like works for you or just like you a little bit of everything kind of thing? Um, a little bit of everything, but okay. pretty heavy these days on Rafa for, okay. for uh, shirts or shirts, jerseys, and okay. jackets and vests. I, I I have a bunch of Rafa shorts, but I prefer ASOS shorts okay. and bibs, or, you know, or bibs and uh, bib tights. Those are higher. And- uh, just they, they, for me, they fit a little better. Okay. Um, a more comfortable. Okay. Defeat socks, of course, because I'm, I'm a uh, an ambassador for defeat, so I got to say defeat socks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Uh. Uh. What kind of shoes? What do the shoes you use? Um, mostly CD. Uh, okay. I've been been using CD shoes, most mostly just CD shoes since the mid '80s. They fit my feet real well. Okay. Um, I picked up some uh, some specialized shoes. Those fit those fit me pretty well, and they're a little lighter than the CDs. Uh, but somehow I end up back. I always end up back on CDs. Okay. Um, do you use chamois cream? Occasionally, okay. Um, usually, after it's too late for it to do any good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, um, but I, that's one of the things that I bring in my little spares pack on on the longer rides. Is just yeah. one of those little tiny, yeah, individual serving packs of uh, of chamois butter. Um, the 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 is it chamois butter? The the purple and yellow ones. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, Cause I don't think I've found like individual packs, like that you can buy. I don't say in bulk, but like in a like I've only seen like here's one 
you know, individual chamois little thing you can take as opposed to like those are sold in like a 10 pack, mm -hmm. which are great. Which are also what I will take on a super long ride. I will take those as well. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm intrigued by the people I meet and they're like, I don't use chamois cream at all ever. What is your ass made of? <laughs> um, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, there's, there's some, some team kits that I had, um, over the years that were just awful. And yeah. If you go on even a short ride with them without chamois cream, it's be death. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you know, go to going to a good quality kit. It's uh, I find I rarely really need it. The exception is usually on like a really hot, humid ride or mm -hmm. or a rainy ride. Yeah. And just the you know wet chamois on a long ride is death. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody, nobody wants a chafe. That's the mm -hmm. thing I don't want you to mm -hmm. wish upon anyone is, a, is a getting a chafe and being stuck out on a ride. Yeah. Thing. Um, uh, well, um, you've been, you know, I, how'd the pandemic affect your cycling? Cause you've been doing this for a long time and then the pandemic hit, you know, 2020, like how did things change for you kind of thing? It, it changed the turnout for our roll call rides okay. uh, a lot, you know, we, um, just before the pandemic hit, you know, the, is when, is when things really started ramping up for the amount of turnout we would get to the rides. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we went from it just being me and Fred and John and occasionally some other people Yeah. to, you know, to a few years later, just before the pandemic hit, we'd get, you know, 20 or so people out on the, on the morning rides. Yeah. Um, and then the, the pandemic hit and we laid low for a little while okay because we didn't want to we, did, we didn't know what was going on yeah everybody was scared and then we started saying well we need to ride <laughs> <laughs> but we're gonna be low-key about it we're not gonna really publicize this and we start getting okay it'll just be me and a couple other guys mm -hmm. and and then as as things progressed through the pandemic it was like okay well now it seems like everybody's safe outside. We should be mm -hmm. fine. And so we started posting the rides okay. after a while and, and then started getting, starting the ridership back up to where it had been pre-pandemic and okay. maybe a little higher. Okay. All right. Um, uh, everyone's experience with the pandemic is, has been different. Um, but I, I, I like to ask because that's still pretty, the height of it's still pretty fresh. You know, like mm -hmm. the, the, the you know, yeah. mid 2020 still pretty fresh. Um, and it's so been, and the things have been going on for so long that nobody really knows how to get back to normal. I think it's a, a, a matter of like finding out what our new normal is yeah. going to be. I don't, I don't know. If I personally think anything will return. I always think about sick days. Whenever I think about the pandemic, I think about sick days and pre pandemic, you know, um, you know, someone might come into work with a cold, mm -hmm. right? I have a common cold. Oh, and it's I, just I'll a cold work through it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'll, I'll tough it, you know, tough it out, going to see him in a meeting, snuff, you know, and now like, that's a different thing. If you have a common cold, you know, for me, it's clearly not psychomotive, but whatever. Um, and going into the idea of like going in with, to a group and I have a common cold while I know, I may know like, Oh, this is a common cold. There's still a moment, like particularly now, like, is this COVID? Like, you know, of like, yeah. is this a thing? Mm -hmm. And do I want to have someone else? Yes, I will be only giving them a common cold because I'm going to know what it is. 
but there's clearly going to be a moment that somebody else is going to be like, is this like now I've caught this thing. Is this something else? Is this COVID like, and it doesn't seem worth causing someone else to have that moment of like, I need to avoid other people because I've got this thing and I don't know how serious it is. You know, kind of. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to give it to somebody else. And and I, I got COVID last December. That's uh, right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it, it was just, I woke up one morning and was like, I, I'm more tired than I should be. Okay. And I have a headache. Okay. And those really all the symptoms I had. I was like, this doesn't feel right. I just, you know, know what, yeah. what, my, my, what my body does. And it's like, something's not right. So I got a hold of a, a test and it's like, yep, I'm, I'm positive. And okay. And I was, you know, tired and mm-hmm. headachey for like two, three days. Okay. But I stayed away from the rides for like two weeks just to make sure I okay. was not, uh, Right, gonna contagious. get yeah, anybody, get anybody else sick. I didn't want to be that guy. So you know, by by week three or week four, whenever you kind of riding, did you feel like diminished capacity, like doing riding, like post post like having COVID kind of thing, or were you just like after two weeks I'm back to normal, you know, it was, sprinting around everything? It, I, I was definitely. At a lower level, but I think it was more from being off the bike. Okay. Than, than from, just like just from, from being COVID. sick. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Curious. I think. I can't think if you're the first person who's like had COVID has been on the show at some point in time, not concurrently. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm, yeah. Um, but I yeah. I'm just curious about, you know, I know of a few people who have and are, you know, trying to come back from it. So thought I'd ask. So, um, but, uh, you know, David, I like to thank you because I covered quite a bit here, um, you know, uh, and uh, yeah, I'd like to, to thank you for your, your time and coming out to, to, to talk and all. Yeah, it's, uh, thanks. It's been fun. You know, uh, see, everyone has a story to, to tell, man. Um, and so, yeah, I appreciate it. Appreciate all the, the stuff with uh, with roll call and, and organize with the, the kits and all the good stuff, man. So thank you. Um, I, I swear when it gets warmer, I will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look forward to seeing you out there, you know? Uh, but thank you. I appreciate and, it. And if anybody else is interested in roll call, just find us on, on Strava and shoot mm-hmm. me a message or something. And we'll get you the link to, to join up with our chat group. Mm-hmm. Uh, Facebook as well. Facebook, Facebook. Yeah. yeah there's a Facebook group. I don't get on Facebook very much, but okay. there, yeah, there it's out there and you can probably find me on, on Facebook or something. Um, yeah, it's a um, or just show up at the corner of Grove and, Grove and Malvern at five forty-five some weekday morning and, and look, um, look yeah, for the idiot that'll bikes. That'll be the group that you see out there with yeah. bike lights. Um, but yeah, uh, that's that's how I found them on Strava. But um, but yeah, thank you, and um, I'm sure we'll see you out the road somewhere. Yeah, we'll see. You.